0: The other thing I want to talk about is give you an update on Operation uh, Heartland Child. We've been collecting money, so uh, one thing I have learned in my four or five weeks out is just because I know doesn't mean you know, and just because you know doesn't mean I know. So here's what happened, and here is what is happening. We raised about $775 for this, which was, uh, in a moment of honesty, more than I was anticipating. And so we, we called, I called, and we got uh, two families that we were able to help. And so uh, Joey has been in contact with one. I've been in contact with the other. And then Joey went and he uh, spent time with each of those families to give them uh, money. For his family, he went out and actually bought some presents and was able to deliver them to his family, not his family, his family he was in charge of. And so uh, he was able to make contact with them, and he is following up with them as, they have, as he has opportunity. Uh, for the family I was in contact with, they didn't want any gifts. They have a medical emergency, and one of their loved ones is in a hospital that is far away. So we decided just to give them gift cards and uh, some gift cards to local restaurants as they travel down to the hospital because the hospital that their loved one is at is not local. So we spent about $500, and we have about $200 and $250 that's just sitting in the bank because we just didn't want to give that out without uh, making sure we did due diligence. So we still are sitting about $225, $250, and that can go in one of multiple ways. Uh, the first one is we're just going to sit on that and wait till a family comes that we have need of, and then we can bless that and do the same thing, follow up. We also are watching these two families and making sure if they have more needs that we have some extra funds to give them if something else would occur because the weather is gonna break here and it's gonna get cold and we don't know what kind of physical needs they may need. Or we may wait till Easter and then do something like this at Easter and extend it through Operation Heartland Child. So that is the update that's happening. So here's what's happened in these families' lives. I called, I called them. Joey called his, and then uh, that was the first contact. And then we continued to make contact with them. And then Joey went to their home. He actually put boots on the ground, and he went and followed up with them. And then what is happening next is Gordon and his team that uh, I don't know what we call his team yet. I don't know if it's a visitation team. I don't know if it's a Bible study team. I don't know if it's an outreach team, but he has about five or six guys and gals that go out in the community and and ask if people want to have in-home Bible studies. And so what we're going to do is we're going to give him the address, and then he can divvy that up amongst his family whenever they want, and they're going to go visit that family and start a in-home Bible study, or at least ask if they want an in-home Bible study with the goal that they would come and join us in our big fellowship. And then once I'm up on my feet and ready to run, uh, I'm going to go pay a visit to them as well. So that's some of the follow-up. That is happening in the next couple weeks, and then through the next couple months. So that is the update on Operation Heartland Child: the power of a simple gift, and it has uh, it's worked out pretty well. I will tell you, it's worked out pretty well. So uh, good idea, missions team. All right, behind me is the Advent candle. We have all five candles lit. The first one is hope. Remember, we talked about hope. We talked about faith. We talked about joy. We talked about peace, and then the white candle in the center, the big one is the candle that represents Christ because he is our pure sacrifice and our pure Savior. So this is the final week of Advent. Technically speaking, Advent was done at Christmas Eve, but I wanted to preach this message, so I decided to extend it one more week, and then uh, I got something in store for 2020, all right? So let's go ahead and open up to Luke chapter 2, as Joe read this morning, Luke chapter 2. And as you turn to Luke chapter 2, I want you to think about the week that you've had. Uh, be honest with me. Uh, how many have started shopping for Christmas 2020? Good. I see, I see one hand. There's one hand back there. One person has already started Christmas 2020. Uh, how many of you started Christmas shopping somewhere around Halloween? Okay, how many of you started Thanksgiving, the Black Friday, that's no longer Black Friday, it's actually like Black Tuesday now, all right, started that week. How many of you waited like a good, true, diehard Baptist and waited till after the Christmas Eve service and started Christmas shopping there? Okay. How many of you are thank thank the Lord and praise his holy name for Amazon that delivers and you never left because you just sat on your phone and ordered everything. Praise God for Amazon because that's how we were found this year, because that's how I shopped. But what happens is we take the two, three, four, sometimes twelve months to shop. And we have all this buildup and all this anticipation. I can't wait till this person opens this present. Oh, it's so exciting. And they open it in the pure joy and excitement. And then what happens is you put the gift aside and then you open the next one. And there's almost this Christmas letdown. Of You look at the tree, whether you start at four in the morning or whether you start at noon or whenever you start. Eventually on Christmas Day, you look at the tree and you go, "Huh, oh, it's over. And sometimes we sit there and say, oh, it's over. And sometimes we go, was that it? It's all that letdown. All this hype, all this money, all this excitement, and the 26th, we all went back to work. And there's this letdown. But now you have all this debt and all this stress and all this, what am I going to do with all of this? And there's this Christmas letdown. Well, this morning we're going to continue the story of Jesus because he was born with this mindset. And the question I have when I walked into this passage was, how do I avoid the, quote, Christmas letdown? How do I go back to, oh, it's just another day because everything is different now that Christ has been born. But if we're going to say the same thing, everything is the same because everything has to go back to normal. So let's go ahead and look at how to avoid the Christmas letdown with verses 21 through 24, if you're taking notes in the back of your bulletin, with life returns to, quote, normal. What is normal? I don't know what normal is, but things get back to life as the regular routine before Thanksgiving, Before Christmas, you get up at 7, you make the coffee at seven ten. you get up and you get to work by 8, you go to work from 8 to 4, you get home at 4.30, you do dinner, you take the kids to basketball practice, volleyball practice, whatever practice, and then you go to bed and you wake up, the same thing, and life gets back to that normal routine because you've had a couple days off. And you get that, oh, nothing really changed but everything changes. So life returns to normal, All right? Let's look at God's word in verses 21 through 24. Now, when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, all right? So hold on, let's stop right there. Genesis chapter 17, God told Abraham there's going to be a special sign. All the males need to be circumcised. They waited eight days for the male child to be circumcised. So at this point in verse 21, Jesus is eight days old. They waited for that. This is normal, all right? Jesus is not normal. Jesus is unique. He is special. He is the son of God. But yet he still has this, if you will, normal routine of life that happens. All right? He is a Jewish boy. They know what they need to do according to the customs of the Old Testament. So they go back into this, dare I say, air quote, normal Routine, all right? He's a special boy, but he gets treated the same way every special boy gets treated because he's a Jewish boy. So on the eighth day, he gets circumcised, all right? So his name will be called Jesus, meaning God saves. From the beginning, Jesus knew what his task was. His name told us what he was there to do. His purpose was all there. He came to redeem a people that could not redeem themselves so they named him Jesus the, the the name given by the angel before he was conceived in a womb mary and joseph continued to live in obedience now If you've had a child, you continue to go through this cycle when you become pregnant. There's this excitement, we're pregnant. And then you figure out, is it a boy or is it a girl? They knew because of the ultrasound, the angel told them, and they said it's a baby boy. They didn't have to figure out the name. Sometimes when we have babies, you go, can we name, in my case, all girls, can we name her that? No, that's not a good name. That has bad connotation. Can't name her that. How about this? No. Can we name her that? No, that was my that was my ex-best friend in high school. Then you go with the boys and the girls say the same thing and you have this struggle with finding the name. Mary and Joseph walked in, lived in obedience, and they named the baby Jesus because his name means God saves. All right, so, and because the angel told him to do it. Let's just live in obedience to God's word. Can I tell you what I'm going to tell you in 2020? It's the same thing as I told you in 19 and 17 and 16 and some of 15. Let's live in obedience to God and his word. So Mary and Joseph, they call his name Jesus, given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now, when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were complete. All right, let's stop there. Mary has to go through a rite of purification. Leviticus chapter 12, if you want to write this down, we're not going to turn there. I'm going to paraphrase this for you. I'm going to tell you what it says so you can read it later on. Leviticus chapter 12, verses 1 through 8, required that after the birth of a male, his mother was regarded as unclean for seven days. And then what would happen was she had to remain home, if you will, on bed rest because she was unclean for 33 days. So if you add those two together, 7 and 33 is 40. So in verse 21, I was eight days into it. Now at the end of verse 22, I'm at 40 days. So if you will, give or take six weeks-ish, all right, just short of six weeks. Jesus is already six weeks old. She has to wait these 40 days. Why? Well, because according to the law, any discharge of blood would be considered a person unclean because blood was a lifeline of the person. And so she, since she gave birth, she would have to be considered unclean for that seven days. Now, if you really want to get deep, here's one of the questions I have is if she would have birth a girl, she would only be unclean for eight days total. So with a boy, it's seven days no matter what, and then she has an extra day for the girl. But with the boy, she's seven days no matter what that week, and then she has 33 added on to her uncleanliness versus one for the girl. You're asking why. I can tell because of your face, the way you're looking at me. I don't know why. Commentators, are, they, really, they really don't know some of them take a shot in the dark and say, maybe it's because of the woman, and she's going to have her cycle, and that's going to help her, and that way she's going to, if you will, pay it forward. No commentator really says this is why it happens. It's one of the many questions that we can ask God. But what happens here is in the end of verse 22, it's at day 40, six weeks, all right? So, She goes, and they have to travel to Jerusalem. They brought him, being the child, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. It's interesting that the firstborn child has to be given and sacrifice, if you will not sacrifice or given as Hannah gave Samuel in the temple. So they are going to give the firstborn child back to the Lord as an offering. They're not going to kill him. You understand it's not a sacrifice as in the old testament sacrifice, but they're going to what we would call today as a child dedication. They're going to take that baby, they're going to dedicate him back to the Lord, because he is the first of her womb. He is the first child. They cannot do this in the privacy of their home where do they have to go? Scripture says they go to Jerusalem. So Mary, being six weeks out of delivery, they make the five-mile trek north to Jerusalem to give the sacrifice and to give and present the child and to pay for him. They have to pay five shekels to be able to give to the temple. That's all part of the Old Testament law. If you want to write that down, Exodus thirteen thirteen. Let's go back and let's look at uh, verse 23. As is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens a womb, that firstborn, shall be called holy or set apart or dedicated, or we may even, some translations may sacrifice, but not again, not that literal sacrifice to the Lord. This God, we are giving our child back to you. The first fruits, if you will, the way that we tithe. We give our first and our best to the Lord because it all belongs to the Lord. Verse 24 and to offer a sacrifice according to the law of the Lord. Mary has become unclean. She needs to offer sacrifices, to if you will, to give back to the Lord to help her achieve her cleanliness back because of the birthing process. Look at what she gave, though. Look at verse 24. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. This is a sacrifice that is given by the poorest of poor people. If you were extremely rich... You would give a lamb. Why? Because a lamb costs more. It costs more to make. It costs more to breed. It costs more to get that one year uh, lamb. I forget what a lamb baby's called. Someone help me out. It's a lamb. You don't have to be sarcastic with me. It hurts when you're sarcastic with me in front of all these people. It's, it's, it wasn't so much what was said, it was how it was said. It's a lamb. And you did a little neck thing, too. It's a lamb. All right, we come back. (laughs) So what's this tell us? This tells us they have to give a poor sacrifice. Stop and think. Who did not come yet? The wise men. The wise men are not here. Why? Because what did the wise men bring? They brought gold. If Mary and Joseph would have received all of the gold, we don't know how much they gave, they would not have had to give the poor sacrifice. Why? Because they would not have been poor. So put it in your mind, all right, six weeks in, all right, Mary and Joseph traveled north five miles here to Pittsfield somewhere, And then they went and they gave the sacrifice. They gave the poor sacrifice because the wise men, they have not come yet. All right, so make sure when we do the Christmas story, we make sure we put this all in the right box. This is all normal things, all right? What are we supposed to do? I sit in my house on the 26th and go, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to be different? How am I supposed to be changed by this wonderful experience, this wonderful event we call Christmas? But guess what? Life returns to normal. You get up, you go to work, you get up, you clean the house, you get up, you take care of your loved one, life returns to normal. This is normal for Mary and Joseph, but yet it's not normal because they now have the Son of God that they are taking care of. And now our lives should not be the same because we have celebrated the birth of our Savior. So there needs to be a normalcy to it, but there also needs to be a, this is just life, all right? This is the theme throughout the morning. Life gets back to normal, all right? So the second thing we want to talk about, verses 25 through 27, is a promise fulfilled for a life of service and patience. I'm not a patient person. Did you know that about me yet? Okay, good. If you didn't, you need to write that down. Tom is not patient, all right? I am... Side note, It has. I have a point to this. I took the girls down to Portland on the 23rd. I figured if I took all of my women, all of them together with me, we could negotiate and maybe manipulate the doctor into doing what I wanted to do, which would be to walk out. However, I did not get what I wanted-ish. All right, so I had all the girls, and they went through this whole process of cutting off a cast, which I never had done before, which was very interesting. That's another sermon for another time. But she walked in, and, and we're in this big room, and she goes, oh, you brought all your girls. I said, you bet. I said, I'm walking out of here. She goes, nope. And I said, I brought my walking boot. She goes, no. And I did the next best thing. You know what I did? I cried. Yes, I cried. I cried. Not big tears, I just gave her the puppy eyes. I practiced it all week. I, I, are you sure? <laughs> Hannah, do your thing. Yeah. And she goes, okay, I'll be back. I got to go read some things. I said, Doc, take your time, but don't come back with the wrong answer. <laughs> and she goes, can I see the boot? I said, Abby, run with haste like the shepherds and get the boot. And she came back in and she brought the boot. And she goes, well, since you've been a good boy and you've done all I've told you to do, I wasn't going to stop the woman. It's wrong to, to correct someone. She goes, we'll put you in a walking boot, but just don't walk in it. I said, great. Praise be to God. I said, because I'm running out of patience. All right? I'm running out of patience. I got to get back into life. All right? So there's a promise fulfilled for a man with a life of service and a life of patience. God will do what God wants to do when God wants to do it. Regardless of how much we manipulate him, God has a plan. There is a plan that he has revealed in scripture. We know about three quarters of it. The only thing I don't know is when Jesus is coming back. But we know that there is a plan and God's plan, it will happen when God is good and ready for that to happen. Just as the doctor told me, You will walk when I am good and ready to tell you you're allowed to walk. And that's when Holly chirped up and said, Amen. We need to wait and be patient on the Lord, but we need to serve him while we wait. Let's meet a man named Simeon, all right? Great guy. This is a great guy. All right. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem. Remember, they're in a temple. They're in there for the sacrifice, to sacrifice the pigeons because of their tax, or because of their poorness and and for the cleanliness. So they're they're there in the temple in Jerusalem. There was a man named Simeon. This man was just and he was devout. Different translations, they say he was honorable. He was righteous. He had a good reputation. He was loyal to God. He was reverent to God. He was respectful to God. Do you know how old Simeon is according to tradition? 113 years old. Yeah, that makes some of you look really, really young. 113. I wanted Frank to be here. That would be another 14 years on Thursday to Frank's life. 114. I thought of Miss Ethel. She was 103, right? Right, Juanita? 103? 101? 104. 104. And we remember how stately she was. Add another nine and a half years to Miss Ethel. That's how old Simeon is. 113 years old. He's been living his life in obedience. Impatience to what? Let's see what he did, all right? So he waited, he was devout, he was righteous, he was not perfect. Hear me on this, beloved. He was not perfect, but he lived in obedience to the word of God. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. What does that mean? He was waiting for the Messiah to come and deliver Israel because Israel is under oppression and he lived his life and he said, listen, He goes, I know what God and his word has said. He's read the Old Testament prophets. He knew that the Messiah was coming. He knew that he knew, he just didn't know the time, but he woke up every day and he said, I know that I know what God has said. I need to wait patiently and I need to serve the Lord for his word to become true. 113 years. I can't do that 113 days. In a moment of honesty, I sometimes having patience 113 minutes. If Google takes 113 seconds to load, I go on to something else. Are you with me this morning? What happens here is here comes Simeon, 113-year-old man, a righteous and devout man. And he goes, I am waiting upon the promises of God we sing it all the time standing 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 on the promises of god this is god's promise we need to be able to read it and apply it accurately so that we can live our righteous life before god so you stood there waiting for Israel to be delivered. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. An interesting ministry of the Holy Spirit before Christ, if you will, released him in John chapter 14 and 16, where the Holy Spirit came. There was a ministry of the Spirit. The Spirit came and it told Simeon that he would not die before he'd seen the Lord's Christ. He would not pass away until he saw the promised Messiah. I wonder when I get to heaven... If I can talk to Simeon, how many times did you wake up and go, is today the day? And you ever wonder, when you have younger kids in the house, especially when they don't understand time, they wake up and they go, is today Christmas? No. Ten minutes later, is today Christmas? No. An hour later, is today Christmas? No. You have to go to sleep. They take a nap. They wake up. Is it Christmas? And the same thing, I wonder what if that happened with Simeon. He got this promise from the Holy Spirit. Scripture doesn't say when. But he stood up there, and he knew that he knew that he had a promise from God. You know that you have promises from God. What are they? Well, first of all, that God will never leave you nor forsake you. You know that God loves you so much that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, male, female, Republican, Democrat, American, or not american that anybody who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Those are just two of the promises. Scripture's filled with them. Next promise that we have, Christ is coming again. It could be today. could be tomorrow. It could be Christmas 2050. But Christ is coming again. And here comes Simeon, this 113-year-old man. And he walks up, and he knows that he knows that he has the promise of God. Are you living in the promises of God? Are you living in the promises of God? Are you claiming true biblical promises? I'm not saying the promises of you give me seed money and we'll let you live in a promise of God. I'm saying you study scripture and go, this is a promise that God has given me. And I know that it's true because God said it. If God said it, it's going to come true. It may not happen today. It may not happen tomorrow. But God's word, it will come true. Are you living in the promises of God? What would 2020 look like if you lived in the promises of God? All right, let's keep going. So, verse 27, he, being Simeon, came by the Spirit into the temple. We believe that... The Spirit led him into the temple. How did that happen? I don't know. I don't understand. But Scripture says it, so I believe it. The Spirit ushered him in. I read a little bit into this. I'm going to throw a little Thomism in this. Uh, Just by coincidence, Simeon happened to walk into the temple just as Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus are walking in the temple. You ever have a coincidence? No. God had an ordained time. A coincidence is God working behind the scenes. But here comes Simeon being ushered in by the Holy Spirit and he came into the temple where Mary and Joseph were in verse 24, giving their sacrifice. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, here they come, there is this divine encounter. I no longer, I try not to say, hey, fancy meeting you here. I try to say this is a divine encounter. This is a divine encounter appointment that you and I, because who would have thought that both of us being here at a certain time, at a certain place, it just happened. God put us here. And you see that through the work of the Holy Spirit, Simeon is ushered into the temple. I read Warren Wearsby. He's a great commentator. He's a good guy. And he he wrote it this way. Simeon, holding the Christ child, he says, he being Simeon, was a man who was led by the Spirit of God, taught by the word of God and obedient to the will of God and was therefore privileged to see the salvation of God. Oh, if I were to be like Simeon. If I were to be like Simeon, who was always led by the spirit of God. Are you led by the spirit of God? Or sometimes do we do what we want to do because that's what I want to do. Simeon, 113 years old, he walked and was led by the Spirit of God. He was taught by the Word of God. I hope that this is not the only time you open your Bible. Whether you read it, whether you listen to it, whether you do it by paper, whether you do it by electronic, whether you do it on your computer and it reads to you, don't misunderstand. It doesn't matter to me. Just get into the Word of God. Get into the Word of God. One of the things I love to do is have Scripture played while I read it. It helps with my articulation of speech. It helps with my rate of speech. Because sometimes I get excited and I go too fast and your ears can't catch up. It's not my fault, it's your fault, right? And so what happens is it helps me because here's the thing. You're either an auditory learner or you're a visual learner. I'm visual. I got to see. You could tell me something all day long and it just won't get through my thick head. You tell me and I write it down. I see it. Boom it's there. So I see it, I hear it, and then I internalize it, and now it's in. I don't have a preference how you be taught the Word of God. Get into the Bible five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day. Play it in your car. He was taught by the Word of God. He was not only taught by the Word of God. What does this say? He was obedient to it. It's one thing to hear it, another thing to obey it i heard everything my doctor said i obeyed three quarters of it i hear all of scripture do i obey all of scripture oh sorry that was a little too personal you hear it you know it i haven't told you something you haven't heard before but the question comes is am i living in obedience to it and finally he was privileged to see the salvation of god You can't experience the blessings of God unless you live in the obedience of God. You can't do it. It just won't happen. So here it is. Great quote by Wiersbe. Simeon was a man who was led by the Spirit of God, taught by the Word of God, and obedient to the will of God. Therefore, he was privileged to see the salvation of God. Put your name in there. Is that saying you? Does that show 2019? Because in four days, we're all going to make New Year's resolutions. This would be a great resolution. 2020, I want to I work more towards, not because I have to, but because I want to, I want to be more led by the Spirit of God. I want to be taking time to read the Word of God. I want to obey what I read. And then finally, I want to be able to see God work in my life. What a great 2020 New Year's resolution. Let's keep going, all right? Third thing is enjoy the blessings of a fulfilled promise. Enjoy the blessings of a fulfilled promise. There was nothing, hear me on this, there was nothing more enjoyable than taking a shower because I can take this piece of shackle that they call a cast off and I took a shower. Oh, there was nothing better than taking that. It's gonna be nothing better than taking this boot and booting it to the dumpster I will use my right foot, not my left foot. And I'm going to experience the blessings of obedience and the doctor's fulfilled promise. I'm stretching this. Come on, stretch with me a little bit. Some of you are worried. I'm not going down a heretical road. I'm just trying to apply this in a real day life. And if it's that enjoyable for me on this earth, how much more enjoyable is it going to be when I live in obedience to the will of God and see him work in my life? There's nothing that brings me greater joy than watching people live in obedience to God's word and then God just showers blessings on them. Oh, that gets me excited. That gets me excited. So let's look at the enjoyment of the blessings, all right? So he being Simeon took him being Jesus, the Christ. He's what, six weeks old. He lifted up his arms and he blessed God. And he said, look, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Simeon is saying, Everything has happened. I'm going to die. hate to be the downer on a Sunday morning, but this guy is sitting here going, I'm holding the baby. God has kept his promise. I'm going to go to heaven. There is no sadness there. There is only extreme joy. There is extreme happiness because God has fulfilled his word. Randy said it this morning, and I'm not going to quote him exactly, but he said there is a great joy This is how I heard it, Randy. There's a great joy when you go to a a funeral of someone that is saved. And there is a great, there's not joy. Hey, there's no joy, but there is a peace. And we grieve as those who have hope versus those when they go to a service that do not know the Lord, there's no joy. There's only grief. Simeon here, in my mind's eye, I see him, And I'm pointing here, it's Frank. I see Frank jumping up and down, going, I've achieved the promise. And he blesses, Simeon blesses the Lord. And he says, you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. He knows what Christ has come to do. It is God saving his people. Let's keep going for which you have prepared before the face of all people. 32, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? Well, non-Jewish people. So Jesus didn't come just for Jewish people. He came for non-Jewish people, the Gentiles. That's you and me. We're Gentiles. He came to save you and I. That is great news. This is a prophecy of Simeon saying Jesus came to save all people. What do you have to do? You have to accept the gift. I haven't heard a story yet of someone saying, my tree still has all of my presents because I have not decided to receive them. You took it, you said thank you, and you opened it. It's the same thing with your relationship with Christ. There's a present under the tree, it's Jesus, you have to receive it and open it. It's that simple. So the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother, which would be Mary, not Joseph's mother, the mother of Jesus, Mary, marveled at those things which were spoken of him. I don't know what this means. I don't know what this means. But it intrigued me. So commentators are split on this. And when they're split, I like to tell you commentators are split. And this is what they think. They think some of them go, this is amazing that this man is doing this. Some commentators say, Mary and Joseph were just writing this down going, wow, I didn't understand all of this. I didn't understand that this was going to happen. And they're almost, if you will, writing this down. Scripture says Mary treasured these in her heart. Most commentators think that Mary and Joseph are still trying to put their heads around what it means to be the parents of the Messiah. So they're still understanding and grasping the concept. Same thing happens in Scripture. Some of you have been saved for 80 years. And you open up Scripture and new truths come. They've been there your whole life. You're just in a different stage of life, and you see new truths that you can apply. That's where some commentators sit. I'm on the fence. I can be pushed either way. All right, let's keep going. So they looked at this. They marveled at those things which were spoken of their son Jesus. Then Simeon blessed them, and he said to Mary the mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the rising of many in Israel. Simeon looked at her and said, Jesus is going to be the dividing line. Some are going to rise, and they're going to follow him. They're going to love on him. They're going to be his disciples. They're going to just follow him. They're going to leave everything to follow Christ. There are going to be some that are going to walk away. There are going to be some that just do not want to follow him. You ever go out and try to share your faith? Do you believe in God? Yes, I believe in God. I would say most people believe in God. But you want to divide the conversation go, where are you at with Jesus? That's the rising or the falling. And that is the question that we come to this morning in this passage, is what have you done with Jesus? He's going to be the dividing line. He's going to be the one that cuts the the bone from the marrow, right down the middle. Some are going to follow, some are going to fade. There's no middle ground here. There's no gray ground. There's going to be some that are wishy-washy. There's going to be some that's kind of sort of follow. No, it's either you're going to follow or you're going to fade. Which one are you? We'll get to that in a minute. So verse 35. Yes, the sword will pierce through your own soul. Uh, Simeon speaking to Mary. She is speaking of the grief and the anguish that she is going to experience at the crucifixion of Christ in 33 years. And then uh, the rest of it says that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Jesus is going to reveal your heart. You can hide it from me. I can hide it from you. But we can't hide it from Jesus who sees all. Three questions and then we're going to end for this morning. The first one is, am I following or am I failing? Am I following or am I fading? Verse 34. This whole question is based on verse 34. Another way of saying it is, where am I at with my relationship with Christ? You're ending one decade and you're starting a new decade. Maybe you need to start a new decade with a relationship with Christ. Maybe you need to go into this new decade saying, I need to strengthen my relationship with Christ. Are you following or are you fading? Are you following or are you failing? Which one are you? Second question is, am I living in the promises of God? Am I living in the promises of what God has said in his word? You can't live in the promises of God unless you read his word. And then I would dare say when you read his word, you be careful to apply the right promises. Because people will tell you what they want to tell you just to be able to do what they want you to do. But you look at scripture you say, this is a promise of God. Randy gave a great challenge. I don't know how long ago it was. Go through and start circling the promises of God. Circle. I circle in pencil. Do you know why I circle in pencil? Because sometimes I don't know if I'm right or wrong. And it's easier to erase pencil than this pen. So I go and I circle a promise, and then I get people that are much more intelligent than me, and I read and I study and I study and I read, and I go, okay, I'm going to take that, I'm going to erase the pencil, and I'm going to circle that promise in ink. Because that's a promise of God. But it takes me reading his word. Boy, read your Bible. Read your Bible. Third one is, am I living a life of honor and good reputation? Simeon, he was a devout man. He was a righteous man. He was a man that was full of honor. He was of good reputation. He was loyal. He was reverent. What was he not? Perfect. I'm not telling you to be perfect. Because can I tell you a secret? I'm not perfect. But I want to be able to be righteous and reverent towards God, living a life of honor and good reputation before the Lord, knowing that I don't—I need a Savior because I am fallen and broken just as much as you are. Let's close in a word of prayer. <clears throat> How can I pray for you this morning? How can I pray for you? Is there anybody here this morning that says, would you pray for me, Tom? Because I'm struggling with this whole idea of my relationship with Christ and my falling or my failing. Would you pray for me this morning? Because 2019 has been rough. I need 2020 to be better. Would you pray for me this morning? I see one, two hands. Three hands, thank you. Anybody else? Is there anybody here this morning that says, Tom, would you pray for me? Because I need to start living in the promises of God, which really means I need to start reading God in his word. Would you pray for me that I can get motivated and read his word? Anybody here this morning? Is there anybody here this morning that says, Tom, would you pray for me? Because I want to live a life of good reputation. I want to bring honor to the Lord. Would you pray for me that 2020 would be a year that I bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus Christ? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, at least 10 hands. Lord, we're so thankful for this man of Simeon. And he has experienced this great joy of the birth of a Savior, and then six weeks later, he sees the fulfilled promise of your word. Oh, that we would be like Simeon. That we would be men and women that live in honor of you, that live reverent lives, that bring honor and glory to your name, that would bring people into relationship with you because we are living a life of a good reputation. Lord, help us to be honorable. Help us to be righteous. Help us to be reverent. But Lord, also help us to realize that we need a Savior and we cannot be perfect. So Lord, help us to keep short accounts with you. Help us to keep short accounts with one another. That we might bring glory and honor to you. Pray that we might live in the promises of your word. Lord, we can't live in your promises unless we spend time in your word. So God, I pray this morning that you would give us a hunger for your word that you would give us a satisfaction, that we would live in the promises of your word. And Lord, I pray for those that said, you know, 2019 wasn't the best year. Lord, I pray for them for 2020, that it might be that reset, that they might strengthen their relationship with you, that they might spend time with you in your word, and that 2020 would be a year of blessings because they're living and the promises of your word. Lord, help this just to not happen on a Sunday morning at 11.30, but help it to be on a Wednesday at 2 and a Friday at 4 and a Saturday at 7 at night, that we might continue to bring you honor and glory, and that we might continue to follow after you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.